Welcome into episode four of the Out of Options podcast. Please remember, as always, to subscribe and download on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, new episodes are released every Tuesday during the Royals season. And this week in episode four, I get a chance to sit down with Samad Taylor, the Royals 21st ranked overall prospect, according to MLB.com. He's 24 years old out of Corona, California. He was originally a 10th round pick by the Cleveland Indians in 2016, now hitting over 300 for the Omaha Storm Chasers, and a guy that, you know what, we could see in Kansas City here very, very soon. We get into growing up in California, his quick stint in Australia, the trade that brought him to Kansas City, and much, much more here on Episode 4. But just one more reminder, I don't like to think of this as a baseball podcast. I like to think of this as a podcast about getting to know the next wave of Royals talent and the next wave of people that we'll be welcoming in to the Kansas City community. Because don't let the title of this podcast fool you. These guys have plenty of options, and Samad especially as he is on the precipice of joining the Major League Club after seven years of hard work in the minor leagues. Without further ado, I started my conversation with Samad asking, what other sports did you play growing up? Yeah, I uh, I played soccer, a couple years of football, and tried basketball, but I never really liked it. Um, just baseball and soccer were really the two sports that I loved growing up. And I love football, but my, my mom was against football the whole way. So I stuck with baseball, and I'm, I'm glad that I'm here now. Okay. And did you play high school soccer? Nope. I had I quit all sports right before, okay. right before I got into high school and just focused on baseball. So I was doing like a kind of quick scroll of your Instagram and I saw you got tagged in a Kevin De Bruyne trading card. So are you a, still a fan of soccer or is that just completely irrelevant? No, I'm still I'm still a fan. I'll be I'll be playing FIFA a lot. Probably as soon as we get off of this, I'll probably go get on the game and play FIFA before I head over to the field. But I, I have a passion for soccer for sure. Who's your squad? I'm not even a squad person. I'm a I'm a player guy. Okay. I'm Who are those big, guys? Big Ronaldo guy. Big, big Cristiano Ronaldo guy. Is he still in the latest FIFA game? Yeah. You just gotta move him out of the Saudi Arabian League and get him onto another club. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to make an assumption. You're a kid who grew up kind of in the 2000s in the Los Angeles area. Were you a Lakers fan and a Kobe person growing up? Big Kobe Bryant fan. I wouldn't really stretch it and say I'm a Lakers fan, but just how with soccer, I'm a, I'm a player guy. I follow a lot of players. I'm a big, big Kobe fan. And watching Kobe when I was younger was – like I never had the opportunity to watch Jordan really. Watching Kobe when I was younger, I feel like Kobe's my Jordan. I want to stick with Kobe for a little bit because I grew up with Kobe. I I caught the end of Jordan. I was probably a little young to really understand how good he was. But I feel like I appreciate Kobe way more kind of after death. Like, I obviously watched him. I knew he was a great player, but I think his message resonated with me more after he passed. Kobe was a legend. Um, I'm not going to speak for outside of California, but... Inside of California, Kobe was was somebody that I feel that every basketball player looked up to growing up. Um, and you can even stretch it even further to the the normal life. Kobe's had a, a pretty big impact on on my life when I've gotten into um deep ruts and not one to not one to finish things and 
just listening to interviews and quotes that Kobe say have always gotten me through that extra oomph to get going because you gotta you gotta look at the numbers. Numbers don't lie. Kobe yep. Kobe did what he did and and he's my great. I think he's my number one. And that's that may be biased just because I'm coming from California, but he's my number one. He's gotten me through through a lot just with everything he says and how he goes about his business was was big to me. So I, I always believe, and I kind of ask every guy on the podcast this, that everybody has that person that they emulate, you know, wanted to be an athlete. You you didn't play basketball, but it sounds like Kobe kind of had an impact on you. But did you have a baseball player that you also looked up to growing up? And whether you modeled your game after them or, or, or otherwise, was it was there someone that you really looked up to and couldn't wait to watch on TV growing up that played in, in the MLB? It was quite a few. Um Growing up, I used to go to a lot of Angel Dodger games. So, Sean Figgins was a big one. Um, I grew up, it's crazy to say this, I grew up a New York Mets fan. Jose Reyes was, like, my my number one guy. Um, once I got into fifth grade, fifth, sixth grade, everything I tried to do was like Jose Reyes. I tried to hit like him. Um, once I got into middle school, it was even worse. I tried to do – I tried to stand like I'm at everything. Like everything was, was Jose Reyes, man, who I really, really stuck by and followed through their whole career would, would be Jose Reyes. So I grew up a Braves fan, and Jose Reyes and David Wright used to torment me. That left side of the infield was pretty wild for the Mets. And then for Sean Figgins – playing video games my whole life, I would always draft Sean Figgins on my video game teams because he played all over the field, leadoff hitter, stole bases. Sean Figgins was an incredible video game player. Like, I feel like that's where my game kind of resembles. Um, a guy like that that's going to steal you 35-plus bags and he can hit, he hit 10 home runs, but he's going to play all over the field. He's going to play great defense, and he, he's going to be hard out. For sure. So then you committed to the University of Arizona, but got drafted in the 10th round. And I'm excited to talk to you because you're one of the guys that wasn't drafted by the Royals, but we'll get to kind of that trade here in a second. But what led you to choose pro baseball over going to play at the University of Arizona? I don't even I don't even want to say it was what led me. It was kind of it was kind of God's plan. Um, I don't think I was ready to go to college to handle this the school aspect of the side and baseball at once and my biggest thing was at the end of the day I want to chase my dream. I wanna become a major league baseball player. And I think that that was the biggest thing to me was if I go to college and I possibly have a career in an injury, I'll never be able to chase my dream. And like the biggest thing to me is is always chase your dream. If your dream is to do a thousand backflips, chase your dream. Mm -hmm. So you get there, keep chasing it. And I'm here now and I'm going to keep chasing my dream. So I can't complain at all with the decision that I made. How nerve wracking was that three or four days of the MLB draft kind of waiting for your name to be called? And how exciting was that when it finally came through in, in the 10th round by the, the then Indians, now Guardians? Um, it was it was a, it was a whirlwind. I will say that. Um, it's a very 
stressful but joy joyful experience. Um, I had got drafted, and both of my parents were at work. My sister was at work, and it was literally just me and my sister's friend at home. My sister's friend came down to visit, so it was just us two at home by myself, and I kind of took the process in with her. Um, <laughs> and first day came around, nothing. Second day came around, calls were coming in, and like I said, it was something that I didn't want to slip through my fingers and, and never have the opportunity to to chase that goal. So it was a stressful, stressful feeling because you you hearing you're hearing your buddies' names getting called and you could you can get down on yourself in the draft. Um mm-hmm. people ahead of you that you didn't think that at times should have gotten drafted ahead of like there's a bunch of there's a bunch of things that go into it. But God, God put me in the position, and and God gave me the opportunity to chase my dream, and I'm chasing it. So what's so crazy about baseball is, you know, you come from obviously a pretty big metro, you know, metro, the Los, greater Los Angeles area, and then in your your first season, 2017, you go to Mahoning Valley, which I went to Syracuse, so I know that New York Penn League pretty well. You then play in Vancouver, you know, British Columbia, and West Virginia, and here you are, you know from the greater Los Angeles area and you're playing in some small places. Was that like quite the culture shock for you? Um, not really. Cause, uh, I, I've been traveling since, since I can even remember. Um, I've made numerous plane trips to numerous different States to play travel ball. Um, the biggest thing, the biggest shock for me was West, uh, Bluefield, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. That was possibly the smallest town in, the worst town I've ever been to. So I'll say that was the biggest like shock with, with being around, but getting drafted, going to playing rookie ball in 16 and then playing Mahoney Valley in 17. I had a great host family in Mahoney Valley that I still talk to today. So they kind of, they kind of eased everything and helped everything um, get going in Mahoney Valley. And then, I was blessed enough to get traded in 2017, that same year in July, um, to Toronto. And I was waiting for my passport to go to Vancouver. And I had to go to Bluefield, West Virginia. I went there for a couple of days. And then once I got out to Vancouver, everything took place and everything was great after that. Vancouver is one of my favorite cities that I've ever been to. Food, scenery nightlife whatever i love vancouver did you enjoy it there no vancouver is is hands down i would say top five places i've ever been to played um the atmosphere was amazing playing in vancouver as a baseball team you are the i want to say you are the major league team because it's only vancouver canadians and then hockey team so yep they support their they support their baseball big up there, and uh, it was it was a blast. It was a blast winning championship and and uh, enjoying everything with with my teammates and the fans. So you mentioned top five. Let's hear the top five places you've ever been. I got Australia number one. I got the Dominican Republic two. I got Vancouver three. I got Colorado four to be specific. Breckenridge, Colorado four. Okay. 
five. It's I got a pretty darn say, good top four. I got to say Nashville. Okay. We just, we just played in Nashville, and Nashville is the place to be. Broadway's a good scene, isn't it? Man, man. Nashville's the place to be. You mentioned Australia. That's one of my dream locations. You got to play in the Australian Baseball League for a little bit, right? Correct. When was that? 2020 COVID. You were in Australia when COVID struck, and what was that like? Um, it was it was pretty pretty crazy. I can take you back to spring, the start of that spring training. Um, everything was going good, and like every like how everybody knows, it just it was a uh, something posted on social media, and then it it blew up. Yep. Um. They canceled spring training, and I kind of was – I felt that I was uh, in a odd spot in the organization. Um, canceled spring training, headed home. Me and my buddy got in the car and drove to Minnesota. It was kind of, hey, stay stay ready because something might happen. Stay ready because something might happen. A week passed, two weeks passed, three weeks passed, a month goes by. Nothing's happening. I'm still working out, doing everything I can because, as we know, everything was shut down. Gyms were shut down. Facilities were shut down. It was it was hard to get working. And then got a phone call by Charlie Wilson with the Blue Jays, and he was like, hey, do you want to go play winter ball? And kind of was against it at first because I didn't want to put myself in a situation to not be ready and fail. So I – Talked it over with my family, talked it over with my agent, and that was the best opportunity for me to get at bats going into the following season. 2021, us not knowing if we were going to have a season. Mm-hmm. So went out there, and it was the biggest eye-opening experience I could have had. First couple weeks were terrible. I had a, As soon as you get off the plane, you had to go into quarantine. Um, one of my buddies that I was in quarantine with, Ended up getting COVID, so we had to restart our quarantine. So I was in quarantine, isolated for twenty three days. Oof. Yeah, it was it was a rough one. As soon as we got out of quarantine, COVID didn't exist in Australia. Everything was free. Um, I was walking <laughs> yeah. around with no face mask. I was eating at restaurants. Um, bars were open, clubs were open, malls were open. Everything was. Everything was normal. One thing I can say about Australia that they handled very well, as soon as somebody had quarantine, everything was locked down until they got the situation resolved. The positives on Australia, the food was amazing. People were amazing. The culture was was night and day. The nightlife was great. Being around a different culture and seeing how they go about their life and dealing with the, the Aussie lifestyle. We're dealing with Different animals, different uh, nature, different different everything. Everything is out there is completely different. You're seeing kangaroos bouncing on the side, alongside the road when you're driving by. Like, everything was amazing. I can't. I had no complaints on Australia. It's one of the places that I dream about going to. I'm only scared of the number of venomous snakes, and you I don't have, you don't have to be trust. Okay, and sharks scare the living daylights out of me. So I, I don't want to be by the water. I don't want to see any great white sharks. Yeah, I was the same way. Like, um, when we were staying, I was staying in the Capitol in Canberra, and you'd be surprised how many animals you 
don't see. You're seeing more spiders than you're seeing snakes and all that other stuff that we're worried about. Spiders are much better for me, but at least they're not as bad as snakes. I do not do spiders at all. Yeah, I'm with you. So then, like, let's fast forward to 2022. You're part of the Blue Jays organization. It's July of 2022. You know, we here in Kansas City here, Whit Merrifield has been traded uh, to the Blue Jays. And in return, um, you're coming back to the Royals organization. What's it like to be traded? Because that's not something that kind of obviously happens in, quote unquote, the real world really only happens in sports. What's that feeling like for someone who's been traded? It's honestly a great feeling. Um, just knowing that another organization wants you. That's the that's the biggest thing you take out of being traded. It's not that the team that you're leaving didn't want you. It's not that. It's that other organization wanted you. And I can't complain at all because I was on – the back end of my – I was on the last year of my um, minor league contract. Um, so getting over here, it was, it was a blessing in disguise because I was in a situation with the Blue Jays where I was fighting. I was fighting. Mm-hmm. Not saying that I'm not fighting here, but I've gotten put in good situations so far over here, and I, I can't complain at all. God's been on my side from – from the beginning to now. Um, I don't think that a lot of people thought that I'd be in the position I'm in now. So to have multiple opportunities after opportunity after opportunity, I can't do anything but but thank the man above. I'm always curious. You know, you get traded. You're in a minor league city. You're playing. Then all of a sudden, you're going to another city. What happens to all your clothes? What happens to your apartment, car? Like, what? You have a, you have a lot of stuff that all of a sudden it's just – you know, you snap your fingers, everything's changing. So what happens with cars, clothes, apartment, everything? In my situation, when I got traded at the first, the first, first time when I got traded from Cleveland to Toronto, um, I was getting ready for a game and walk out of the cages. Skip calls me in the office. Hey, you're getting traded. Uh, pretty much you're on the next flight the next day. I went home to my host family, told them the news. When it first happened, I broke down about it because I didn't really understand the whole process like I do now. Um, broke down with my host family about it, packed my stuff up, was in the car at 5 a.m., headed to Cleveland Airport to fly to Bluefield the next day. Um, then I get traded from toronto to kansas city and that one was more it was easier but more stressful due to the fact that i had tore my oblique prior to the trade Mm -hmm. um i got sent from buffalo down to florida to do my rehab stuff um let's say i got to florida may 19th um i had unpacked all my stuff i took a, a a pretty pretty good chunk of I took all my clothes from Buffalo to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, left a couple baseball things, left the TV, all that good stuff. Got on the flight, got to Florida, unpacked. And as soon as I unpacked, I got to the field that next day and unpacked the field, unpacked up at the field. And I got back to the hotel 
around 11 o'clock, took a nap because I was jet lagged and I get woken up by a, by a phone call by one of my old teammates and he's like, hey man, you just got traded. Wow. Sleep and I'm like, bro, to who? And he's like, Kansas City and I say, all right, bro, I'll call you back. Got on the phone, my agent made sure that it wasn't um, just bloggers blogging and it was, it was real. By one o'clock, I got a call from Mitch Meyer and Mitch was like, hey, blah, 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 running me through the organization. This is your information. This is what we're going to be doing. And I was on a flight at 12 the next day. So I had a, I just unpacked everything. I had to repack everything up. Next morning, got up super early, had to head to the field, pack my stuff up. And, and I headed over to the airport and I was, I was in Arizona right away. Does it feel like you're, I don't know if a, a guy can ever be settled, but do you feel a little bit settled in the organization now that you've been here for, you know, 10, 11 months? I felt the most comfortable settled in wise as soon as I got spring training. Being blessed to be added to the roster, going to spring training, um, I I can't I can't even complain. Dudes dudes uh welcomed me with open arms. Um and it's funny that you just brought that up because we were just talking about it in the locker room yesterday. You get traded and you walk in a locker room and you feel that one, you feel that everybody's just staring at you. Um, you feel like at first you have that initial fact of dang, I'm not wanted. Because you walk in, dudes don't know who you are. The ch- the chances of you walk into the locker room and guys not knowing you who you are are very high. I had walked into the locker room and I knew a couple guys. I grew up playing with Prado. I grew up watching a couple guys. Um, shoot, I watched Salvador, his his whole minor league career coming up. I was coming to spring training watching Casey a lot. Um mm-hmm. I used to take that spring training tour. I watched Christian Cologne come up. So it was like just getting traded to an organization that I have played with in video games and, and, and watch certain guys come up through the organization. Um, they welcome me with, with open arms and it's been, it's been pretty good since I've been over. Every podcast I ask the same question. Um, and you probably played with this guy on a video game, but one, have you met Zach Greinke? And two, do you have a Zach Greinke story to tell us? Spring training, he was working on pickoffs. And we had pitch comms, and, like, you know the new rules, you can only pick off twice. So I'm playing second base, clicks it, pick off. Pick off first time, clicks it again. As soon as I throw the ball back to him, he clicks it again. So then I get it again. As soon as I throw the ball back again, he clicks it for a third time. And I'm at second base, like, uh, are we supposed to be doing this again? But Zach Grinke, Zach Grinke, like, he's a legend. So obviously if he's working on something, he's going to work on something, regardless of – the outcome of it like he's he has a plan to work on this and he's going to work on it he picks off the third time and if you pick off third time and the runner's not out it's a balk so i'm i'm surpassed bamboozled on why he called the pick off third time because going into this game we're not knowing or at least i'm not knowing that he's working on pickoffs so i he picks off third time box so i'm at second base like bro what's going on so then <laughs> runner gets the third Picks off the third box. I'm like, hold up. <laughs> what are we doing? You're a dear 20-year guy, and you're balking consecutive times. What's going on? And then come to find out he actually was working on his pickoffs. So 
it was it was just it was a funny moment because I had second base, and I'm not even just saying second base. Everybody, every infielder that had the pitch comp was surpassed, confused because we didn't know what was going on and why he was balking and picking off after the second time. So, was this an inter squad game or a, a spring training game? Spring training game against the D backs. I bet the base runners were probably even confused. They're like, "What's going on?" Yeah, I was, I was, I was pretty lost. If people don't know, I'll put this out there. Zach Greinke from the three-point line is electric. Give me his NBA player comp. If I had to pick... Kyle Korver. That's actually a good one. Elite three-point shooter, maybe not the best athlete in the world? No, Greinke, hey, believe it or not, Greinke's a, Greinke's a plus, 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 plus athlete. Okay. Greinke's good. He's, he'll surprise you for sure. All right. For sure, but... Yeah, he had a he had a team dinner and that three point shot was electric. Was it at his, at his house? Yeah. Okay. Electric three point shot and it's it's his three point shot can shock the world. I can tell you that because you're not gonna expect a three point shot from like that coming from Zach Greinke. But no, nah, he for sure he for sure is a a fun guy to be around. All right. Well, we end each podcast with a little thing called on the bus. It's rapid fire, random questions. Very little to do with baseball, but let's start uh, with your favorite app on your phone. Music. What are you listening well, to right now? Apple Music app. If I'm listening to rap now, this era of rap, it's going to be Little Baby. And my favorite rapper that I still listen to is R.I.P. Nipsey Hussle. But I'm big into I'm big into like 2000s R&B, like early R&B. You're speaking my language right now. Hit me with some of the best 2000s R&B. Okay, I can. We can go with Nelly, Neo. I was in the car this morning and Air Force Ones came on by Murphy Lee. I was like, man, that transported me back to some good times. I got playlists on playlists. (laughs) The playlists are running with the R&B. I'm big, big, big R&B. I wish Neo had a little bit longer of a catalog, but his I would say his top five yeah, for me hard to beat. He 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 got out of there quick. What's your what's your walk up song right now? My walk up song right now is Dior by Pop Smoke. I had to <laughs> I had to change it. I had Fireman by Lil Wayne. And it was working, but it wasn't working to what I wanted to do. You know what's what's weird? I went to the, the K the other day. And now the walk-up songs have to be so quick because of the pitch clock. You're barely, you're barely getting, you know, three, four lines or a verse in before you know you got to turn the music off. Exactly, you got to pick, you got to pick your your best, your best two lines. Yep. And let it ride. What's your favorite baseball movie of all time? Angels in Outfield. Assume that, that probably back. comes from your childhood. Take that back. All right. A League of Their Own. League of Their Own. Great movie. Can't argue with it. What are, your, what are your pregame superstitions? I tie my shoes the exact same way every day. Right shoe first, left shoe second, left shoe first, left right, shoe, right shoe second? Left to right, same length of tape. This is a very, very interesting. Please don't knock me on this social media. Tuesday game, shower right before the game. If I get two hits that game, the night before it's the same thing. As soon as that is broken... To where I don't get a hit that day, I won't shower before the game. Okay, so Tuesday you shower before the game. If you get two hits, you'll shower before the game Wednesday, Thursday, as long as you continue to get a hit. You don't get a hit Friday, 
You're not showering before the game Saturday. Saturday. I'll just shower right before I go to the field. But right before BP, I'll shower. And then right before the game, if I don't get a hit that, that day prior, you got to change it up. Listen, you're hitting over 300 in AAA, so whatever's working, keep, keep doing it, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. There you go. Um, all right. I give you $100,000. You get a hotel and travel for five days. Where do you go for five days and $100,000 on me? Can I take somebody? Yeah. So, like, if you wanted to go drive to Kansas City, spend 500 bucks, you could pocket the 99.5, or you could go to Vegas and spend 70 on a on a cool five days. I'm going to take my mom, take my mom to Jamaica. It'd be a fun trip. Take my mom to Jamaica and just because it's a 300,000, I'm going to spend as much as I can. Five star, the lobster rolls, the whole nine. The whole nine. Five star restaurant every night. Five star breakfast spot every day. All the tours. I'm taking both of my parents because my parents have done everything for me. I can't. There's nothing that there's nothing you can do to pay your parents back. The least I can do is with a three hundred thousand dollars take them to Jamaica. What's the proper way to board an airplane? You've traveled a lot in your life. Nobody can seem to figure it out correctly. What's the right way to board an airplane? Find the quickest seat. Find the first seat and sit down and, and throw your bags up top and throw the music on, throw the neck rest on, and close your eyes and hope you can go to sleep. Can you sleep on a plane? No. Can you sleep on the bus? Yeah, I'll sleep on a bus. I, okay. I can't sleep on a plane because if nothing, I know nothing happens. But when I sleep on a plane, I wake up, I always panic. Always panic. I'm a nervous flyer, so I can't sleep on a plane either. I'm a, it's not even that I'm nervous because I know I'm safe in the air. Um, planes are the safest, safest transportation that is out here. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know I'm safe in those regards. I can never fully close my eyes in a relaxed, um, closed setting. Like, I, it. It's like my eyes are always flickering when I'm trying to close my eyes on the plane. Um, do you guys open presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? When I was younger, it was Christmas Eve. We would open two gifts on Christmas Eve. My godparents, they would always have a Christmas Christmas Eve party. So we'd always open two gifts, and then the rest of them were, were open on Christmas. As of now... Um, since I've gotten older, I just, I'm not big on surprises and, and I'm not going to say I don't celebrate Christmas cause I still celebrate it, but I don't really dive, dive into, oh my God, you got me this gift or let's open gifts on Christmas. It's just me and my sister were, we're both of age now. So we kind of just pick one gift a year. Um, Hey mom or hey pops, this is the one gift I want for Christmas. And if we can get it, we can get it. If we can't, we can't. But we're pretty good on not asking during the year and just hope for that one, that one big gift at the end of the year for Christmas. And we open it whenever they, if it's on Christmas Day, if it's the day after, if it's days after, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's our that's our one gift. Um, you get to pick one current pitcher that you want to face and one pitcher. Current pitcher is on our team, Chapman. I, I want to face Chapman just on the fact of 
not the hype that he has behind him, but the career that he's had in in the in the velo. I I, I want to say that I didn't touch that. What and about from history? I, I think that he's the best closer in the game, so I always want to put myself up against the best of the best. Um, previously, that was in the game. I might get a little crap for it, but my agent, Dave Stewart, smoke. I got to face you. I hope that I can face you. I hope that you, uh, the little, the little arm is still intact, <laughs> but in his prime, I always give him smack about it. Um, hey, smoke, come on. I want it. I want it. All right. You can't pick the K, and I think I may already know the answer, but stadium that you'd love to make your debut in. Stadium I'd love to make my debut in. Or what's a stadium that you're really looking forward to playing in? That's probably a better way to put it. All right, I'll answer both of them. Um, that I would love to make my debut in, solely on the fact of family purposes, I would say Dodger Stadium. Take that back. Dodger Stadium, Angels, or Padres. One of those three, just to bring it back home. Stadium that I would love to play in, it's two, and it's it's only because of the, the the history behind it. Fenway and Yankee Stadium, two stadiums that you can't go on with. Like there's it's too much history behind it to not want to have the thrill to say, hey, I, I played in Fenway or, hey, I played in Yankee Stadium. Final question for you on the bus. Uh, what's your go-to karaoke song? Oof. I've got two. One's a Tim McGraw country song, and the other is "Juicy" by Notorious B.I.G. Those are my two. Those are my two back and forth karaoke songs. People gonna laugh at me, but it had to be "When I See You" by Fantasia. That's me and my mom's favorite. That's our favorite song. Uh, if we ever get in the car together, that's the first song being thrown on. Sounds good. Well, Samad, I really appreciate you taking the time today and um, sitting down with us and. Looking forward to, you know, when that day comes, God willing, that uh, we get to see you here in KC and you have a bright, bright career ahead of you with the Royals. Yes, sir. I appreciate you for having me. Thank you again. Really appreciate Samad joining me here on episode four as we got to get to know him a little bit. And a guy that I certainly wanted to check off before he got his eventual call up to the big league club, because as I said in the intro and, um, you know, based on the stats at, at, at Omaha, he's a guy that we could see in Kansas City. Uh, by the end of this season. So really appreciate Samad taking some time to sit down with me here on episode episode four of the Out of Options podcast. Before we get out of here, one final reminder, new episodes every Tuesday. And uh, please subscribe and download on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening for another episode. This is episode four. We'll be back next Tuesday with episode five on the Out of Option podcast on the 435 Podcast Network and 610sports.com. Thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you next week.